if you can believe it or not. Part seven of a sermon series we are called, we're calling The Making of Champions. The Making of Champions, where we're exploring uh, different heroes throughout the scripture. And when I say heroes, it's not by their own merit. It's by their faith in a powerful and great God uh, that they are made into champions. Uh, and today I'm going to open with one verse and then I'll tell you what I'm going to preach about uh, and then we'll pray and then um, we'll dive into, into the sermon. I just want to read one verse this morning uh, from Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 and it says this, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Let me read that one more time. It said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Today, I want to preach for the next few moments on the subject, making peace with your past. Making peace with your past. Let's take a moment. Let's just still our hearts. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to enter in and transform us. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. God, I pray that each and every one of us would let any uh, anxieties, struggles, worries, fears, concerns, troubles from the week just evaporate in your presence today. I pray, Lord God, that our hearts would just single-mindedly focus on you. I pray that my mind would single-mindedly focus on you. My heart would be directed and oriented towards you. I pray, Lord God, that your words would be spoken through me uh, and that our hearts and our ears would be receptive to the word of God, the transformative word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword that cuts out and excises uh, the, the cancerous sins of our lives uh, and, and fills us and infuses us with health and nourishment, strength and encouragement. Father, I pray that we would be filled by your spirit today. I pray that our hearts and minds would be focused on you. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Years ago, I was in a church service, and the preacher was preaching on the topic of forgiveness. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is a nice topic. I've heard this topic preached many times. I'm not harboring any huge grudges against anybody. So I'm going to enjoy this sermon, but really, this sermon is for somebody else. You ever have that moment where you're, where you're listening to a sermon and you think, man, I wish my, I wish my mother-in-law could hear this sermon. <laughs> Not me, not me, not me. I don't ever think that. Or you think, I wish my son was here to hear this. I wish my husband could hear this sermon. You, you ever do that? Or wish my wife was, I hope my wife's taking notes on this one. You know what I mean? Have you ever done that? I know nobody here has done that. But I was doing that in that church service that day. I was basically feeling as I'm listening to the sermon, this sermon is for somebody else. And the preacher wrapped up the sermon on forgiveness and then he ended the service by saying, I want us together to pray. And he said, and I want you to think about someone in your life that you need to forgive, that you have not forgiven. And I want you to forgive that person today in church. That's what he said. And I said, man, that's going to be great for somebody. Somebody's going to get free today. Oh, it's going to be good when they forgive them. So we all prayed, and, and I didn't really pray, to be honest. I, I politely bowed my head and, you know, just waited for the prayer to be done. And, and he prayed, and everybody prayed, and, and then it was over. 
And then, surprisingly, he said, now, he said, you know, I feel like some of you didn't really take advantage of this opportunity to get freedom through forgiveness. That's how I feel. See, he said, so I'm going to pray again. And if there's anybody in your life that you haven't forgiven, I want to invite you to forgive them today. And I thought, wow, man, he's going he's gonna to dig in on somebody because somebody <laughs> is, <laughs> somebody needs to, you know, that extra round. So we prayed and he prayed and I stood there politely, not praying, but with my head bound and my eyes closed. And we ended up the prayer and he goes, you know, I'm dead serious, this happened. He said, you know, I just feel like there's somebody out there that really hasn't forgiven somebody that they need to forgive. So we're going to pray one more time and I want you to search your heart. I, wanna, I want you to search the recesses of your heart. And, and discover if there's anybody in there that you have not forgiven. So this was the moment that I started to pay attention. Because I thought, okay, now this is round three. And I feel like everybody else around me has been praying. And I'm the only one that's not praying. Now, he's way off there in the pulpit. It was a big church. So I know he's not looking at me. But, man. So we prayed again. And this time I began to search my heart. And can I tell you just something? There were some things in there that I had... Let me put it like this, partially forgotten, but not totally forgiven. Sometimes we can just ignore something from the past. We can just bury something from the past. We can just box something up from the past and put it in a dark little corner in our heart. And we think we've forgiven it because we've almost forgotten it. But in that moment, I realized there were some people in my life that I had never really forgiven. I, I was still harboring some bitterness towards them. I was still harboring some anger towards them. I was still harboring a root of resentment towards them. And not only that, but as I began to pray, I also discovered that there were some, some areas of my own life where I hadn't fully forgiven myself. You know, sometimes you have to forgive somebody else, but sometimes you need to receive the forgiveness that God wants to extend to you also. What I realize is that the thing that holds us back in life, the thing that holds me back in life, the thing that keeps me from flourishing in life is sometimes that I'm still facing and focusing on the past. And when we focus on the past, we tend to focus on one of two emotions. I'm going to give you two emotions this morning. One is resentment. The other one is regret. Regret and resentment are the two things in our past that can keep us from flourishing in our future. What is regret? Regret is the thing that we hold, the disappointment that we have in ourself because of something that we did, said, didn't do, or didn't say, and it keeps coming up for us. We keep saying to ourselves, man, I wish I had not said that. Man, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't treated my friend that way. I wish I hadn't treated my, I wish I hadn't said that to my parent. I wish I hadn't said that to my child. I wish, or, or I wish I had taken the opportunity that was given to me. I just passed it up. I was too afraid and I didn't step into it. I wish I hadn't quit in that moment when I had an opportunity to step forward. It's, it's regret for something that we did or didn't do or said or didn't say. And we're, we don't receive forgiveness in our heart. And then resentment is what we feel for somebody else. Resentment is... I'm still mad at somebody for doing something to me a long time ago. 
I'm still angry at, at something that somebody said or didn't say or did or didn't do to me. When we look at the life of Joseph, we see a person. He's the one that said the opening line in the sermon. We look at his life. We see a man who flourishes. We see a man who continues to succeed. We see a man who, despite many betrayals, many sufferings, much pain in his past, he continued to flourish. If you, if you, if you want to write down the one thing I'm going to preach about for the next few minutes, here's the one line, here's the one idea, and it's this. If you want to flourish in your future, make peace with your past. If you want to flourish in your future, if you want to move ahead in life and flourish, you've got to make peace with your past. When we meet Joseph in the book of Genesis, Joseph is the favored child of his father. His, his father had him at an old age, had him of his, uh, with his most beloved wife. Uh, if you've been following Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, there's some stories there. Uh, and, and, and Joseph is the most beloved of, of the children. And his father gives him a beautiful coat, beautiful tunic that shines in the desert sun. And, 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 and he just wears that around and everybody notices. Uh, and um, Joseph, at a young age, is a, is a little bit foolish, if I can be honest with you. He's the kind of guy who, like, he's being thrown all this honor and all of this um, special treatment. And he doesn't realize it, but he's rubbing it into people's faces. And one day his father says to him, son, I want you to go and I want you to go check on your brothers. They're out in the desert. I want you to check on them, make sure they're okay. So here comes Joseph across the desert with his shining robe and he comes to his brothers and they see him coming from far off. And this is somebody who has told them all the dreams that he's had about how they're going to bow down to him. And I'll get into that in a minute. But he's just, he's just become an annoying, aggravating kid who is the favored of all of the children. And his other brothers, 10 of his brothers, get together and they see him coming across the desert and they go, man, I am sick of this guy. I am so sick of this guy. I, I, I'm actually so angry with this guy that I just, let's just get rid of him. Like, he's, he's going to end up with all of our wealth. He's going to end up, dad's going to give the entire inheritance. We know how this is going to turn out. Let's get rid of this guy. So their anger and the jealousy began to stir up in them. And the scripture says, in uh, Genesis 37, 23, it says, So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and they threw him into a cistern, an empty well. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Some some folks heading down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have, to, we'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to the Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. I like the moment of compassion there. Let's just, let's just sell him into slavery. I mean, he is our brother, okay? And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by Joseph's uh, brothers, they pulled him out of the cistern, sold him for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took Joseph to Egypt. They had to cover their crime. Verse 31 says, Then the brothers killed a young goat, dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? 
Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say. And then he would weep. If you can imagine the level of betrayal that Joseph experienced in that moment, it is the greatest level of betrayal that is imaginable to any of us. His own brothers took him, stripped him of his robe, sold him into slavery in Egypt, then took the beloved robe that his father had given, dipped it in blood, gave it to his father and said, Father, this we found this in the desert. Now imagine his father's position in this moment. His father is the one that said, go check on your brothers. His father is, is now saying, oh my God, I sent my son off and he was killed and it's my fault. His brothers know what happened. I mean, the level of betrayal is immense. But when we meet Joseph throughout the story, we see no bitterness in him. We see no resentment in him. We see no anger in him. We see his life and every situation he's in, he's serving joyfully. He's serving humbly. He's looking out for the good of others. In fact, Every time throughout the scripture, I'm not going to read his whole life. I invite you to go into Genesis and read through it. But he ends up being sold into the house of a man named Potiphar. And in Potiphar's house, he's put in charge. But then he's betrayed by Potiphar's wife, who claims that he intended to assault her, sexually assault her. And he's wrongfully accused and he's thrown into jail. And in jail, the scripture says... He works so hard and serves so well that he's put in charge of the jail under the jailer. So in Potiphar's house, he's put in charge under Potiphar. In the jail, he's put in charge under the jailer. And then there's a cupbearer and a baker that, that he meets in jail, and he's able to interpret their dreams. And he says to one of them who's about to be released, he said, when you are released, please remember me, because I, 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 I don't even belong here. But the friend that he met in jail forgot about him. He was rejected and betrayed by his family, by his employer, by his friends. By every significant relationship in his life, he was betrayed. And yet over and over, we see him not looking in his past, not harboring resentment, not harboring bitterness, but forgiving and moving forward in life. In fact, the scripture says this is, I never noticed this until I began to study for this sermon. He had two sons. Listen to what he named his sons in verse chapter 41. It said, Joseph named his firstborn son Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. He said, the second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Listen, here's what Joseph is saying to us. If you want to be fruitful in your future, if you want to flourish in your future, if you want to be productive in your future, you've got to make peace with your past. You've got to make peace with your past. How do we do this? How did Joseph do it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through a couple moments in his life and let's explore this together. The first one is this. If you want to make peace with your past, number one, completely forgive those who hurt you no matter how great the harm. No matter how great the harm. When we were a kid, we had a phrase and we would say, sticks and stones may break my bones, does anybody remember the rest of that? He said, but words will never hurt me. 
Now, that was one of the least true nursery rhymes that we ever learned. Because the first part's true. Sticks and stones may break our bones. But words actually hurt us as much, if not more. There are some of us today still carrying the wounds of words that were said to us when we were young. And there were no sticks and there were no stones. Uh, but, but somebody said something to us and we carried that wound. Now, let me show you what that's like. We know what it would be like if somebody threw a stone at us or somebody hit us with a stick. But imagine the words and the actions and the behaviors, the emotional pain, the psychological pain, the spiritual pain that you experienced. Imagine if those were stones, right? And every time you got hit with one, you got hit with a stone. But I want you to imagine what your life would look like if every time you got hit with a stone, you picked that stone up and said, I'm going to carry this with me. I'm going to carry this stone with me. And you walk a few paces in your life and you get hit with another stone. Somebody harms you. Somebody hurts you through words or deeds. And you said, man, I'm going to pick that stone up too. I'm going to carry this wound with me. I'm going to carry the pain of that hurt. I'm not going to forget that. And you start walking. Pretty soon you are, you are, you've got stones and sticks piled on you. You cannot move into your future because you are so weighed down with your past. If you want to be free in your future, if you want to flourish, you've got to completely forgive those who harmed you, no matter how badly it hurt. The director of the Mood Disorders Clinic at Johns Hopkins Hospital is a woman named Karen Schwartz. She was recently quoted in an article saying this. This is amazing. She said, there's an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Physical burden. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Listen to this. She says, forgiveness, however, this is Johns Hopkins University, Johns Hopkins Hospital. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your physical and mental health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels, improving sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. There's something about forgiving somebody from your past, and really, the greater the harm, the greater the need for forgiveness. Because the greater the harm, the greater the weight of the stone you are carrying. And when you forgive, you are laying down the stone. You are letting the stone go. When Joseph's brothers finally reached a point in, in the land where they were uh, experiencing famine, their father said, go into Egypt and purchase grain for our family. So Joseph's brothers come to Egypt. They've not stayed in touch with Joseph. They don't know whether Joseph is alive or dead. They come before Joseph because Joseph has now reached the, the second in command of all of Egypt. They come to Joseph and, and, and they don't recognize him. Of course, they sold him when he was a, a young boy. He's now in his 30s, uh, maybe even 40 years old at this point. And they come to him and they say, hey, we're from a faraway land and we've lost one of our brothers. We have a brother at home. We need to take some grain back to our family. And Joseph is looking at the very men who betrayed him. The very ones who threw him into a, a pit the very ones who, who had no regard for his life. He's been into a pit. He's then worked for Potiphar. He's then been in prison. He's come all the way to where he is. And now he's looking at the people who were responsible for his betrayal. 
It's a great story. If you haven't read it, please go back and read it. Because he tests them. He tests them. And what he discovers is that they're repentant. He discovers that they actually have remorse in their hearts. He discovers that they're actually repentant uh, for the crime that they've committed. They've recognized their wrong. And so when they come before him, he cannot contain his emotion. Here's what it says in chapter 45. It said, Joseph said to his brothers... First of all, he sends out all the servants. Now it's just him and his brothers. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. They imagined they were going to get what they were due. They were terrified. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one who sold you into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. He completely forgave those who had hurt him, no matter how great the harm. This is a moment in Joseph's life where we see the completeness of his forgiveness. If you want to be free in life, if you want to flourish in your future, you've got to completely forgive those who have harmed you. I know there are objections. I don't have time to get into them. Trust me, I know that we all have objections. But what if? Do I have to then reconcile with them? But what? But don't I want justice for them? I, I know all of that. It's not for them that you're forgiving. It's for you that you're forgiving. It's for your soul that you're forgiving, not their soul. In fact, the scripture says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Let the Lord take care of the justice that needs to be uh, rectified in their life you need to forgive you've got to forgive how do we do it i'm going to give it to you in three nuggets three bites here it is ready recognize reveal and release do not fail to recognize the harm that was done to you don't bury it and sock it away because it will fester there recognize it this is not repression this is recognition recognize what was done to you reveal it you've got to reveal it you've got to tell somebody this was done to me this harm was done to me you need to allow that to be revealed don't just hold it to yourself let somebody know this is why we have counseling partners so you go and you can tell them all your stuff and they're confidential and they don't tell anybody your stuff right you've got to reveal what happened but ultimately then you have to release you have to say, God, I'm going to give the pain of that experience to you because I'm not going to carry it anymore. I cannot carry the pain of that experience anymore. It is too heavy. It has dragged me down, and I cannot flourish in life as long as I'm carrying that pain. So that's number one. That's resentment. That's the part of us that we, we, we harbor anger and bitterness against somebody who has harmed us. But the second step we see with Joseph is this. You've got to completely embrace the forgiveness of God no matter how badly you failed. This is the regret. Not only do you have to forgive others, but you've got to receive the forgiveness that God has extended to you. When, when my son Jameson, he gave me permission to tell this story today. When my son Jameson was a little kid, he did something that he got in trouble for. We were trying to remember what it was. We think he hit his brother Lincoln. We think that's what it was. We're not entirely sure. 
We think he hit his brother Lincoln when he was a little boy. And so Rebecca and I had to correct him and we had to discipline him. And we talked to him and, and I can't remember what the punishment was, but you know, maybe no, you know, no cookies that day. I don't remember what it was. But anyway, there was some level of discipline and we talked about it. And then he, he asked for forgiveness and we forgave him. And then that was it. That was the end of the story. That was the end of the situation. Well, that evening when we went in to tuck him in bed, we opened the door and Jameson is lying on the floor. He's a little kid lying on the floor, not in his bed, beside his bed with no blanket on. And it's a little chilly in his room. And we look and we go, Jameson, what are you doing? Why are you lying? <laughs> what are you lying on the floor for? He said, you know, I didn't feel that my punishment was severe enough. And I felt like I just really needed to lie on the floor, you know, in the cold. And I got to tell you, man, as a father, that broke my heart. I just, we got down on our knees and I was like, son, no, that's not how that works. You have already been forgiven. You do not have to keep beating yourself up for something that has already been remedied, handled, and taken care of. You need to allow the forgiveness that has been extended to you by your brother, by your parents, by God and everybody. You need to receive that forgiveness. You need to accept that forgiveness. Sometimes some of us do that. We've been forgiven by God. We've asked for forgiveness. We've already been forgiven. And yet we keep beating ourselves up over and over and over again. We keep moving, moving through life saying, well, I can't move ahead in life because I did this thing in my past. I said this thing in my past. I did something that I'm ashamed of. I did something that I feel condemnation for. And I won't receive forgiveness for that thing. Can you imagine if you got a speeding ticket and somebody came and paid that speeding ticket for you and then you go to the judge and you say hey i need to pay for my speeding ticket and the judge says that speeding ticket has already been paid for somebody paid for that and you kept going to the courthouse day after day saying i need to pay for my speeding ticket eventually the judge is going to go please stop coming to the courtroom your ticket has been paid some of us need to remember that the that the crimes we've committed the sins we've committed the failures and mistakes of our past have already been paid for we don't need to keep coming back and trying to pay for something that's been paid in full. When Joseph looked back at his life, he had to think, man, there have been some moments where, it was, where, where I had something to do with the harm that was caused to me. Where, where I, I was too foolish. It was my own foolishness that caused the anger and hatred of my brothers. In fact, if you look back in, verse, in chapter 37, it says this. Uh, it says when Joseph were way back when he was a young boy it says Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers they hated him all the more he said to them listen to this dream I had we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep stood uh, rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it his brothers said to him do you intend to reign over us will you actually rule us and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said in other words joseph is the one as he's looking back at his life he had to have thought man if i hadn't gone and bragged in front of my brothers about how great i am and how they were going to bow down down before me and then he actually has the gall to invite his mom and dad and he says you know i had this other dream and there were 11 stars and there was a sun and the moon and all 11 stars bow down to me and the sun and the moon bow down. in other words he's saying my whole family bowed down to me this is a kid who's a little over the top this is a precocious foolish child who is telling everybody how great he is right which is what caused the anger now if he was somebody who was focused on his past he would have said man if i hadn't done that I'm, and keep beating himself up about things that he did and yet he forgave himself he not only forgave the harm that was done to him by others but he forgave the harm that he did to himself how do we forgive that harm i'm going to give it to you in three are you ready 
Repent, reveal, receive. Repent, reveal, receive. This is how you can be free from the regret of your own sin, your own past, your own failures, your own mistakes. Repentance means, God, I'm sorry, I'm turning the other direction. I'm going the other way. I'm going to move in another direction. I am sorry. Reveal is confession. You've got to confess your sins to somebody else. You've got to find somebody in your life that you go, man, I'm messed up. I, I totally messed up on this. I said something I shouldn't have said. I did something I shouldn't have done. I didn't do something I should have done. You've got to reveal it to somebody. The scripture says it's only through confession that we find healing. And so you've got to find people in your life that you're willing to confess to. And then receive. Ultimately, you've got to go, okay, I'm forgiven. Okay, God, I accept the forgiveness. I'm not going to keep lying down on the floor trying to continue to beat myself up for things that I've already been redeemed for, things that have already been paid for, things that have already been forgiven. I'm not going to keep doing that. I'm going to receive your forgiveness. Scripture says if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then it says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're clean. Somebody say, I'm clean. You're clean. If you've asked God to forgive you, you've confessed your sin, you're forgiven. You're clean. Stop carrying the weight of your past. And then this is the third thing that we see in his life, and I'm going to end with this. This is amazing. Now, this is, this is bigger than the first two. You ready? Number three is this. You've got to completely trust the power of God to bring good from evil. It's one thing to say, I forgive somebody for the harm they did to me. It's another thing to say, God, I trust you to turn that harm into something good. That's a different level of trust. It's one thing to say, God, I am sorry for what I did that was wrong. It's an entirely different thing to say, and I trust that you're going to take the wrong that I did, my own foolishness, my own recklessness, my own sin. I'm going to trust that you're going to take that and convert that into something good. That's another level of trust. This is where Joseph really, really excelled. It wasn't just forgiveness. It was trust in a God that could take evil and convert it into good. Who could take sin and make it righteousness. Some of you may have seen the famous photograph, probably the most iconic photograph of the Vietnam War. It's an iconic photograph, no matter how, uh, how young or old you are, uh, of a young woman uh, a, not a young woman, a little girl, a nine-year-old girl whose village had been bombed with napalm. And in this black and white photograph, which I'm not going to show you, uh, this little girl is running down the street, burned, naked, crying, weeping, tears coming down her face. Little children are all around. They're all running down the street. It is absolutely the most, in fact, the picture is titled The Terror of War. It's, it's the most horrific picture of a crime that could be done against a completely innocent person that you can even imagine. It's, it's an absolute tragedy when you look at the picture. Many people have seen the picture, but what many people do not know is that that young woman at the age of 18 had reached such a level of depression that she actually wanted to end her life. She she was suicidal she was 18 years old she was suffering from depression as you can imagine and ptsd and all of the other things that you would experience and one day at 18 years old in 1982 she was in a library in her village and she 
came across the uh, she came across a copy of the New Testament and she began to read the words of Jesus and she began to read the words about forgiveness and she had a cousin who was a Christian and he came down the cousin came down and she began to ask him all about Jesus and forgiveness and what that meant and he began to explain it to her and then he invited her to church and on Christmas Eve 1982 at 18 years old she gave her heart to Christ she gave her heart to the Lord and it fundamentally transformed her life she began to forgive the pilot who was flying the plane she began to forgive the soldier she forgave the commander she went down she said she went through her hit list and made it her prayer list she started to fundamentally forgive each and every person who had ever harmed her this is a picture of her today her name is Kim Fu she says every time I touch my scars she has bad napalm burns on her back and arms every time I touch my scars she says I am so thankful she said, my scar reminds me that God is with me. It is the mark that God stamped on my body to remind me he is there. She said, my scar humbles me. It makes me love people and do the work I am doing now. It takes me back to being that little girl, but now I have no upset or anger about it. I just go to the Lord and pray. And the more I pray, she said, the more peace I have over my sufferings. My scar makes me have more intimacy in my relationship with God. It's the strength inside of me. She says, my scar is my miracle. This is someone who fundamentally believes that God can take great evil and turn it into good. She later founded the Kim Foundation International and she provides aid to child victims of war. She travels the world teaching and, and, and helping children who are suffering from war. The greatest level of your freedom is going to come not only when you forgive those who harmed you, not only when you forgive yourself for the harm that you've done, but when you actually trust God to take that harm and make it good. After all of Joseph's brothers came and his father came and his family came and they were living happily in Egypt, his father died and his brothers became concerned. They said, well, now that dad's dead, what if that vengeful spirit rises up? What if it comes back and he wants to kill us? Genesis 50, verse 15, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Joseph said, I not only forgive you, but I trust the God who takes your evil and converts it into good. Maybe today you've been through some harm and some pain in your life maybe some of it self-inflicted maybe some of it was inflicted to you by others can I challenge you today to say God I want I want to trust you with all of it I want to receive your forgiveness for my own 
regret. And I want to extend forgiveness for my own resentment. And I want to put my trust in you for all the things that you've done for me. At the end of that service, where the preacher kept bringing people back to the prayer, the forgiveness prayer, finally on the third one, man, I just opened my heart and I said, okay, God. And the things that I started to see in my heart, the things that I had tucked away, that had to start coming up to light, that I had to say, okay, I'm going to forgive that person. I'm just going to forgive them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for their blessing. I'm going to pray for their good. I'm going to trust that the Lord is going to handle the situation. And my own sins and my own faults, my own failures that I was harboring about myself, God, I'm just going to take and receive your forgiveness. I'm going to trust your forgiveness for that. I'm just going to accept your forgiveness in my life. Today, I want to invite you as we close, I want to invite you to experience the freedom that comes with recognizing the power of God who can take the evil from your past and make it good. I want to invite you to flourish in your future by making peace with your past. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray today? And I just would ask the same thing that the preacher asked all that time ago. If there's any resentment in your heart for anybody, anyone who has harmed you, anyone who's done you wrong, anyone who has hurt you in any way, will you just forgive them? Will you pray for them today? Would you forgive them? Would you just say, God, I just, I just forgive them. I trust you. I trust you with them. And, and maybe there's some resentment and some regret in your heart Maybe there's some regret in your heart for some of the things that you've done. Maybe you're thinking about some, something in your own life where you go, man, I, I just wish I hadn't done that. Wish I hadn't said that. Wish I hadn't thought that. Wish I hadn't spoken those words. Would you just allow God's forgiveness to pour over you? Father, we repent before you. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask, Lord God, that you would forgive us right now of any sin that we've committed. And God, I just pray that we would release it into your hands. We would release it into your power. We would release it into your freedom. We would accept the forgiveness that you have extended to us. And God, we not only forgive those who harmed us. We not only receive forgiveness for the harm that we have done. But Father, right now, we trust you that you will convert the evil into good. That even the thing that we regret the most will be used for your glory. Even the thing that we resent the most will be used for your glory. We put all of our regret and our resentment into your hand. We trust you with it. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. The scars in our life are the miracles that demonstrate your presence with us. We trust you with our pain. We trust you with our regret. We trust you with our remorse. We trust you with our guilt. We give it all to you. We make peace with our past so we can flourish in our future. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen.